Buckle up, baby. This is the episode I have been waiting to put out. This one's been in the bank. It's going to be hype as fuck. We have um, a 40 year hockey legend, a the 2013-2014 captain of the 40 year Meteors, the 2017-2018 alternate captain of the Westfield State University NCAA Division III hockey team, and the current assistant coach of the Franklin Pierce University. Did I say assistant coach? I'm fucking yep. stumbling. I'm so excited. Yep. Um, this is a podcast with Goat. I'm your host, Drew Goche, co-host Anthony Maslin, as always. What's going on? 40-year legend here. That's it. And we have very special guest, Nick Passero. Nick, what's going on, buddy? Thanks for having me, boys. I'm excited. I know. We've done a few hockey players on the show. We're like a fucking mini chicklets. Exactly. So far, so good. Right. Uh, and you got a leg up on your brother because now we got video going. So everyone's going to be able to look at our ugly mugs. He probably couldn't figure out Skype anyway. So. <laughs> uh, Nick, I'm super excited to, to have you on the show. And um, there's a few things that I kind of left off with Anthony that I think you'll be able to pick up nicely. And then I want to talk about your story and what you've done for, um, you know, for yourself. You, you've, right. you've turned hockey from a passion into a career. And that's something I, I truly admire. So we're going to jump into it. Perfect, perfect. Uh, Anthony made a statement on the podcast that really stuck with me. He said, my brother and I felt like because our dad owned the junior hockey team that we were like celebrities growing up as kids. It was like he could he owned an NHL team. We were always around the arena and around the rink. And and I mean, I, I just wondered if you could elaborate on that a little better. Like when you were around the 40 year arena and the meteors as a kid, like I'm talking eight and nine, did you feel like a little bit of a celebrity? Absolutely. You think you you run the place for sure. And I, I think it probably turned some heads the wrong way. But uh <laughs> Definitely, you know, you got your friends around and your friends, they want to be in the locker room. They want to, you know, go to that. We used to go to the penalty box after games for pizza and wings and everyone would want to come to that with us and, and you know, road games, uh, Niagara Falls on Friday nights and stuff like that. So you definitely feel like a celebrity. You got the dressing room and you're taking stuff out of there. You're trying to wear it. Meanwhile, it's way too big for you. It's, <laughs> that, that's the I remember. Um, that, that's something I didn't really think of. You, so you would have done the exact same thing for like traveling with the team for road games, showing up there on Saturdays for home games. Did it ever feel repetitive? Like you would have done this pretty much your whole life until what, 20? Right. Yeah. The, the exact same winters for you know yeah. 20, but no, never repetitive. Never. I mean, by the time I was 20, I was definitely ready to move on, but yeah. um, it's not like that wasn't the feeling of repetitive. It, I loved going to the rink and from being seven years old to hoping to get on practice to 20 years old to, you know, being the captain and, and practicing. It's never repetitive. Um, do you think your dad being um, like a hockey icon in the community put pressure on you as a hockey player? I don't believe so at all. I think definitely not from him. There, yeah. there was pressure from him ever. I mean, um, I went to very few hockey schools and stuff like that. If I didn't really, if I didn't show the initiative, um, you know, he wasn't dragging me to go to Nancy Gruel and stuff like that, right? Like if yeah. I wanted, I would be there. 
Um, and I liked my I, summer. I played soccer and stuff like that. When I got older, I played a lot of summer hockey, but, you know, I didn't do tons of hockey schools. I don't think there was much pressure. I think um, it was just opportunity. Everything was opportunity. Um. Nancy Gruel, I fucking hated that lady. She she made me cry multiple times playing <laughs> hockey. That, I fucking hated that lady. Still um, you you kind of talked. We I asked you if there was any downside, but what was the upside? Do you think your dad being, like like I said, he was, he was a hockey icon, and at least in the Niagara region, do you think that provided you any opportunities in your career? Yeah, for sure. I, I think, like, being drafted to the OHL, I think in my draft year, I had a good year, but I sustained a pretty bad injury, and I was out for uh, almost upwards of two months. So I think, you know, I was behind the eight ball, and going into my draft year, I was, you know, maybe projected to get drafted, but, you know, on the on the, the ropes a bit, and I think, you know, him, his name kind of helped me, you know, just get an opportunity, get my foot in the door with Guelph. And, you know, I had great time there and, and learned lots. So, no, I never made made Guelph or, you know, made a career of the OHL. But I think I learned tons. I was there for for however long I was there. And I learned from uh, Jason Brooks and the rest of the staff uh, lessons I still, you know, preach today. So I think, you know, that just that opportunity in itself is something that, that goes a long way. Yeah. Um, one thing I remember, and as I'm getting older, sometimes these memories come back to me. Did you stop playing travel one year to do the Team Denmark thing? No, I went to Europe with uh, a different team. Um, oh, so okay. Some team that um, they kind of just found me. Uh, actually, it was in Brampton. And uh, we went to uh, Czech Republic in, um, I think it was April of my uh, grade nine, my freshman year in high school. And we went there for 10 days, um, and it was a quick turnaround. I made the team, like, kind of in March, and we were in Europe by April. So, like, my oh, parents, wow. my parents to get to common was kind of, uh, you know, I was the only kid there with uh, no parents because it was just such a quick turnaround. But, you know, there's some guys on that team that, you know, made their their lives in the NHL, and um, I played with uh, Connor McDavid's brother, Cam. I was going to uh, say, na- feel free to name drop. His brother... <laughs> His brother was uh, my roommate in Prague, and then uh, oh, wow. his, dad, his dad was our assistant coach. And then we had other guys like Nick Cousins, who plays for Montreal now, um, and, and stuff like that. So we had, you know, it was a great time. We we played four tournaments, but we went did one in Europe, and it was a, a great summer going into my draft year. So it was, I learned lots from those guys. Sure, I was just gonna say you probably picked up a shit ton of stuff just even being around them. Right, right. Just you know, I, we're still young, and everyone's figuring out what they're they're good at and what, what they're doing. But just learning from them and um, different caliber of hockey, you know. And right. It's it's one thing to play against that caliber, you know. Like we go to tournaments. I played Niagara Falls. We go to tournaments in Toronto. It's one thing to play against them, but playing with them is is you learn a, a whole different aspect of the game. And it probably raises your game. For sure, for sure. And uh, like I said, when we went to Europe, we we're far superior to to the teams we played, which, I mean, it was fun, but it, some competition would have been better. We ended up losing to a, a Canadian team over there, but um, just just being around them and, and learning just how they work every day and, and stuff that I didn't even know existed would, yeah. would be the way to put it. You, um, the, 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 you speaking about Europe kind of jogged a, another little memory. Um, 
you had a tweet a little while ago about Hockey Canada and about what's going on in some of the European countries and maybe how Canada needs to change, Hockey Canada needs to change what they're doing and maybe model after some of these European teams like Finland, Sweden. Can you elaborate on that a little? I think it's not just European. I think it's uh, the United States. I think the United States have come so far um, in in their development and I think it comes down to coaching I think obviously there's more money in U.S. hockey um, and you know money trumps a lot of things right so I think they're paying their their coaches and and they're getting a lot more out of out of their coaches and obviously I think Canada still has far superior talent I'll take that to the grave but I think (laughs) we can project our talent a lot a lot better and um, I think we're learning we're trying to figure that out but um I think we could take a lot from the United States, especially being over here, you know, the last five and a half years going on six years. I've seen a lot. I used to think that, you know, American junior hockey could, couldn't skate with Canada, but it's just not the case anymore. Wow. Um, is junior, I, I know the the systems in, in the American hockey are a little structured, a little different than the way we have in Canada. But I mean, in the Goje, there was a Buffalo team, right? Right. So that so, doesn't happen too often, but but that's one. Um, that's the only American team in the in the GOJHL. The OJ has Buffalo a Buffalo team also. Okay. Um, and then the Western Hockey League and the Ontario Hockey League, they each have a couple of American teams, like uh, Erie Otters. Right. Um, so so there is some mix, but I'm I'm talking more like uh, the U.S. has a, like a development team and. They had like uh, I think sixteen guys drafted in the NHL last year. Um, they had like twenty Division One, you know, recruits commitments. So I think there's there's definitely ways that we we can um, improve as a as a country when it comes to hockey. Sure. Um, your first full year playing for the Meteors was oh, uh, 2009, 2010. and you came into the league and made a bit of a statement. So. Uh, I would assume there would have been a bit of an adjustment to pace of play. I think that happens every to everybody when you jump to the next level of anything. But, I mean, you stepped up right away. You contributed in points. You finished the year. You, uh, you know, you have a few more apples than goals, but you have finished with 33 points. And, I mean, you weren't afraid to maybe stick up for some teammates, too, and show that you could get a little gritty with uh, 76 PIMS. What, what do you remember most about your first year making the jump to junior? Um, the biggest thing was I switched positions. I got drafted as a defenseman, and then um, in Guelph Storm Camp, I broke my hand. So I missed uh, like 10 days at the start of the year um, in training camp. And then when I came back, my dad kind of just put me up front, and I I started on the wing and then I moved to the middle. But the biggest thing I remember is my teammates. It was the best group of guys I think I've been around. Um, we were very, very close. And that year we finished um, in last, and we were it was by far the best team I've played on. We The league was That's just crazy. so stacked. The league was so stacked, um, but we were good. We had a you know a 20-year-old OHL goalie that was awesome, and, and we deserved better. We just we were in a league where it was just too, too good. We played St. Catharines in the first round, and we deserved to win all four games, and we got swept. So it's just one of those things. Um, so, you know, just coming in with those guys, my captain, I'm still a friend with, um, my assistant captain is probably one of my best friends, Brandon Thomas. So I, you know, um, I met my lifelong best friend, Andrew Ansel. He was, we were rookies together. 
Um, so I think we came in together and, and it was eye-opening. But then again, I'd been practicing with the Meteors since I was 14, 13. Yeah. So, so I was kind of used to that, I would say. Um, the next year, a few less games played. So I'm assuming maybe there was a bit of an injury kind of hindering you. You found the net a little more, um, but your your points dropped, but those PIMs, those PIMs jumped up a bit. Did you take on a bit of a different role your second year in junior? Um, well, we that was the worst team I've ever played on. So, <laughs> uh, we were we were awful, and um, I got hurt. No, no, I got suspended three times. Um, I did. I like. I took more penalties, more suspensions, more fights, more misconducts. It was just overall a terrible year for me. Um, but then again, like that was the year. Um, you know that. I kind of found myself as a leader, I would say, um, which came a long way. But within like the first two months of the season, we had like eight, eight, nine vets quit because we were we were just bad. And you know, some years you have that, and it was it was overall tough year. So, um, you know, my stats weren't great, but um, I learned I learned a lot about myself in that year. I'd say that's really interesting that you said that because there was such a massive jump in your points from that year where you guys were horrible to the 2011-12 season. I mean, it's just seemed like looking at the points that maybe everything started to click. Um, You jump jump from averaging around 30 points a season and then you put up a season at 51. Right. We we surrounded the team with, you know, more offense. I think that was your – we brought in uh, Jordan Bailey – and uh, I want to say maybe Jesse Pereira had a, had a you know, kickstart. Um, so, you know, we, we were more offensive. We were a better team in general. Um, and that was, that was a big year, you know, just kind of setting my feet and, and becoming, you know, instead of a third, fourth liner, maybe like, you know, I was playing first line minutes. I always played power play. That's kind of the game I played. So that, that was, but, you know, consistently playing first second line minutes and, and winning games and, and scoring at a, at a rapid rate i would say rapid but at a, at a higher rate than i was in, in the past um it says you also played a game in coburg that season so what happened there we uh we we're there our affiliate so oh one, okay okay for one weekend um me and andrew ansel drove up there in his little red porsche <laughs> We drove up there. We played a Thursday night in Peterborough, and then we came home and we had a Friday Saturday here. So we just played one game. Um, he played like I would say twenty five minutes. I played oh, like really? I played maybe seven shifts, and my my first <laughs> shift I should have scored. And I looked him on the bench. I said that was it. Uh, that was the. <laughs> so, oh yeah, the one the one game I went to Coburg, which was really cool, just to see how you know they do things there. And, the OJ wasn't quite developed yet. It was getting there. It was, it was, you know, they're they're making doing the best they could, but um, you know, it's come a long way since then. Also, um, it seems like you you really kept the trend going into the next year. So twelve thirteen, um, you know, you put up fifty three points. Definitely finding the net more. Um, so I mean, my question's not so much there. It would be going into your last season. So your your over your overage year. Yeah. Uh, 2013-14 how special was it to wear the c it, it was a big deal i mean uh so 
the, the captain before me, Andrew Ansel, like, you know, my, my best friend for life, you know, I was in his wedding and, and he was two years older than me, but we came in as rookies together. So right. he started playing junior when he was 18, I was 16 and his brother played for my dad. And, you know, so I learned a lot from him, even though we went through the same experiences, he didn't have any more experiences in hockey than I did, but I just learned from him. You know, he carried himself like a professional and he was very mature. So I, you know, I needed those couple of years. And I think without him, you know, maybe I would have been thrusted as a captain as a 17 year old and things could have gone awry. So I think, you know, having him there kind of took the pressure off my shoulders for a couple of years and I got to find myself and, and, you know, going into my, my 19, 20 year old year being the captain and, and you know, Anthony's around Kyle Marino, Jesse Pereira, you yeah. know, uh, Andrew Sturts. We traded for Andrew Sturts. Um, you know, uh, uh, Braden Cavaratsis, who who come in from the OHL, then St. Catharines, and you know he was this this player that everyone knew about and was scared of. And then you get him in the room, and he's like a big teddy bear that everyone wants to be around. <laughs> and then, you know, my younger cousin, you know, Mac, is on the team, who you know was four years younger than me. Bryce Biller, lots of forty eight kids, and I think that year, you know. Those, that year and a half was the most fun I've ever had at hockey. Was Hearn and Paulo on the team that year too? So, um, I, you know, like those those kind of guys, you you cheer for them in training camp. You want them to to play so bad. Yeah. And I just texted Hearn, um, "What number do you want?" And he was just like, "What?" And I was like, "What number do you want?" Uh, and like that was, you know, you made the team type thing. So like don't like those guys and and Jared Marino, you know who who is five years my my younger, but I text him you know all the time just sure. you know it's just something that ho- only hockey can give you or only sports can give you I should say, but but hockey you know is is something the camaraderie just builds. Um, I remember a lot of that team because I, I mean I I remember coming to watch you guys and and I mean watching the. F- Fun that you guys seem to have on the ice um right. it, it was incredible and then i remember hearing about the saturday nights down in the basement i think i actually made it to one or two of them <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it, it just seemed like it, it was more than hockey you, you, you could just tell that there was something special about the team right like just you know my my two best friends like cam fairgrave and mike bulls you know like I'm, I played hockey with Mike since I was six years old. Yeah. And then you know, he was in and out of uh, off our team in midget for maybe two years. And then he comes in and, you know, you're like, holy, this kid's good. Like, he just, that's, you know, the soft skating, soft hands, you know. And, and it's just like, without junior hockey, we could have, you know, just separated and, and you know, yeah. not been we are now. And now, you know, like. They're they're my best friends for life. Yeah, there seems to be an ongoing trend with all these meteors players. <laughs> um, so your your last year in junior, you get moved to London, and you get a chance to really make a run deep into the playoffs. Um, jumping into a new system, what part of your game did you have to change or maybe make adjustments to? Um, just gaining people's trust. You know, like. Playing four years for five years, if you didn't trust me, well, that was your problem. You know, like I, <laughs> I, I, I did everything I can. You know, going there, I remember my brother when I was thinking about the trade. You know, obviously it went it went along, it took a while, and my brother said, you know, 
when they blow the whistle in practice and tell you to skate two laps, you can't just not skate like you do here. Like you actually, <laughs> you know, yeah. I was like, maybe you're right, I guess. But just, you know, like I went to a team with 18, 20 year olds, which I've never been around. You know, I always had young kids. Like we were, we had 18, 20 year olds, seven OHL guys. We had an OHL goalie who was a stud and just going in there with expectations. Like you expect to win every night and you don't expect to win the first round. You expect to win the championship. Right. And they took that from day one, and that was the coolest thing I've been around. And you kind of got robbed. Didn't it go right. to a seven-game series? No, we won the first round in game seven, and then we got, we choked in the second round. And I think the first round took a lot out of us, and second round we just we got buried. And uh, we, we choked. They won the year before, and so the guys playing a lot of hockey, and, and I think, you know, we just – it took a lot out of us. The first round against Sarnia – um, you know, game seven, 3,500 people in that small little arena. That's was crazy. It's experience of my life. My brother, my mom, my dad, my brother, I believe, got there. And before warm-ups, there wasn't a seat in the house. And, like, wow. it's a small arena, and you can hear them walking on the dressing room on top. And I just remember saying, like, this is crazy. You is know, that- like, we, we go out there and. Two, two minutes into the game, I cause a goal, like turnover goal, and I was just devastated. And then, you know, we, we end up on a row. We, we beat them 5-1. It's one of the best nights of my life. First series I ever won, you know. I never won anything, so I just remember. <laughs> I remember calling, so weird, I remember calling Rich Graham, and, you know, I, I finally won one. <laughs> there you go. Does, does playing in front of a crowd like that, like, improve your game? Just because I can't relate. Like, I've never played a sport in front of a crowd like that improve your game i think it just puts it on a in a magnifying glass i don't know if it improves it i i would say um if you're good at it that's something you know like anthony under pressure he's cold as ice like he he gets the job done under pressure and me like if i got 50 bucks on a tee shot to hit the green i can guarantee you i'm not hitting the green <laughs> so like under pressure you know maybe that's the gene that he got and i didn't so but in general, it's it's not improving your game. It just improves your memories. Cool. Um, what part of the 2013-14 season did you think, like, okay, I'm not done with hockey, and I need to figure out a way to keep playing it? And when did Westfield State kind of get bounced around? Um, well, it was always a plan to come, come to the state to, and play. You know, division three obviously everyone wanted to play division one so did i but at that at some point i had to realize that you know that wasn't gonna wasn't gonna materialize but it was saint patrick's day in um that year i was in london we went to as a team we went out in guelph and um the coach from westfield called me and said you know i'd like you to come visit campus and uh, we talked. He came to watch me play, I believe. And then I, after this, our season ended, we got beat out, and I drove out to to Westfield. And as soon as I got there, I I knew this was this was the place that I wanted to be. Which was, you know, some other people might get there and say, hey, "Why would you want to be here?" But it's a beautiful campus, and I and I loved it. Um, what adjustments did you have to make in that first season? Because, I mean, you go from the old, one of the, at least when you were at the Meteors, you were the oldest guy in the room, probably the one with the most experience and by far the most games played. 
Um, and now you're coming into a brand new system in a brand new country. And I mean, what adjustments did you have to make? As a player, everything adjusts. So I came in as what I thought, you know, a scorer and stuff like that. Um, I didn't get on my whole first fresh freshman year. I did not touch a power play until the third last game of the season. I was on wow. one one power play, and then I never saw it again from that that whole year. Um, I was the center on the fourth line. I had one job to do that was not get scored on, and then I kind of won a job, you know, pelly killing through practice um, and faceoffs. Uh, that's one thing I never worked on in in, uh, in junior. But it's something that gets you in the lineup. I tell my guys here all the time, if you can win me a face-off, I can guarantee you that you're going to be playing. Sure. So then, you know, I found my niche. It was penalty killing and face-off early. And it got me six, seven extra shifts a game. And maybe instead of getting scratched eight times, I only got scratched twice. Right. So I think that was, that was a big, you know, big thing to, to realize and, uh, and just figure out when I was there. Well, in typical Pasero fashion, the next year, you definitely found your way in the league. And then it kind of carried over into the 2016-17 um, season. Going into your last year at Westfield, you get you get named an alternate captain, and you put up your best year statistically, um, like, by quite a bit, realistically. I, I mean, by, by five points. Um, what Did the game slow down? Were you able to um, see more, or were you getting more ice time? No, none of that. I think my sophomore year, I missed almost the entire first half. I had hip surgery, so that's my second year. So I only played, I think, maybe 19 games, something like that. Yeah, 20. So I missed the entire first semester, and when I came back, I was on a line that was just all offense. We, right. you know, we would score four, but probably cost four. Okay. And <laughs> we were scoring at a decent pace that, you know, they couldn't really separate us. So I think if I would have played that whole year with those two guys, um, though that would have been my best year. But then my senior year, our power play clicked. Um, I think my my roommate, uh, Carl Greco, he's from Niagara Falls, he, he ran our power play, and I just think everything clicked offensively, and we were, we were a good team. And we, we put on, uh, um, I would say... Uh, a streak of seven, eight games where we had, you know, 30 points probably. That's insane. That's yeah. Insane. So. During that last season, I'm sure there was maybe a panic at some point that this is the end of possibly playing hockey. That This right. is going to be it. When did you make that decision mentally that you knew too much about the game to just walk away? Um, my attendance going into my sophomore year was my career was going to be done after college. I didn't really have any intention of playing pro hockey. Um, I didn't, one, I, I didn't know if I was good enough. And two, I didn't want to just slum it around on the buses and stuff like that. And three, my body was not ready for it. I was yeah. not done. I, after my hip surgery, it came back. I was, you know, healthy, but I was uncomfortable, and I was always in constant pain. I was, you know, constantly in the, in the um, weight room, and and constantly in the athletic room, and trying to get cold tubs and stuff like that. And it's just not a way that I wanted to keep going in pro hockey. So, um, I knew that I wanted to coach. That was never in question. 
uh, what led to you making the move to Franklin Pierce University? And, um, like, what was the process involved in that? Like, do you get scouted? Do you send out resumes? Like, look, this is what it is. Like, can you kind of walk me through how you got the position? Um, so my assistant coach in Westfield, uh, Mike Young, he's, we're very close. Um, and he knew what I wanted. I wanted a coach and, he texted me one morning and said there's a job opening at Franklin Pierce. They just posted it online. So the NCAA posts all their jobs, which is nice. It's, it's a great tool for, for anyone that's looking for whatever, <clears throat> any kind of job. So they posted it. Um, my resume was ready because I, I was ready. And um, I emailed uh, Coach Millerick, and um, within a couple days, he had called my head coach, and um, my head coach kind of gave him the, the runaround of, what kind of person I was and stuff like that. And then we had a couple phone interviews and then I came to campus. Um, another interview, met some of the guys, you know, did my tour. And then uh, within a month, I would say I was hired, which was, uh, you know, a huge stepping stone to, to what I want to do. And, and it was something I would never be able to pass up. So, so this is probably the toughest question I'm going to ask you. You've now been an assistant coach for two years at the university. What's the next step? Um, I would say just to, to move forward. I think um, finding a, a place where I can improve and learn. I think I've been under coaches uh, playing and coaching um, that have taught me lots, and I just got to continue to learn. Um, you know, if you would have told me, or asked me when I was 17, I could have told you I, I could have coached that time in the NHL at that time. So, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, you just got to keep learning. And I think um, something I'd like to check off my list is, you know, getting to a program with um, some history and and some tradition. You know, I think that's something really cool. You know, like Anthony's at Oswego, they have tons of history, tons of tradition, you know. And I started here at Franklin Pierce um, – you know, we're a small school and we're a building, building a program, which is another complete aspect of college sports. And I think, you know, I, to do both sides would be, would be awesome. Are you included in the recruiting process at all? And how does that necessarily work? Um, yeah, we, we recruit uh, together and, and there's only two of us on the staff and, um, you know, we, we got to plan it and we're, we're driving different places. We're flying places and, um, you know, we, you got to find what you're looking for, right? Like, right. Everyone has players that are t- intangibles that you want on your on your team, and we find out what we want as as a program to to build and to move forward, and and we go and we look for it. If you know you could score a hundred points, but if uh, you're not a great great person, or or you know you treat your mom poorly, uh, we don't yeah. have time for you, right? Yeah. Um. I, we talked about your dad a lot in the beginning. Um, and I, I mean, I think everybody who, who listens at this point will pretty much know that. Unfortunately, you did lose your dad this year. And um, right. I, I would like to pass along our condolences. Um, I was, when I had first heard, obviously my heart went out to you and Anthony. But when I was thinking more about it, I was like, what's going to happen with the team? I mean, your dad's owned the meteors for how, like my whole life at least. Yeah. And I know yours. Yeah. Yeah. So I I was worried that maybe the team wasn't going to be there or it wasn't going to be Pacero run anymore. Um, 
Nick, I was really happy to find out that you and your brother and a board uh, uh, were going to stick with the team and you guys were going to continue to to own it and run it. Um, how hard were making some of the first decisions after your dad had passed? Um, I don't know if hard would be the word. Surreal. Like, you just yeah. can't believe that. Like, this is happening. But even when he was in a hospital, like, you're thinking about it. Like, what's going to happen? And then you're like, how, how could I be thinking about that when this is going on, you know? But right. I knew at some point me and Anthony were going to have to make some decisions with my sister and, and my mom, you know, at, at some point we were going to have to make some decisions. So I think early on we got the decisions done as a family and, um, you know, with help with, from other people like Joe Fazio and Mark Sauter and, you know, um, but we, we figured it out. And, and then after that, it's kind of been, you know, a learning process. Right. There's stuff. I never would have imagined that I would have to take care of, but right. my dad, did, my dad did it for forty years, like uh, ordering a bus for an away game. You know, I didn't know I had to do that. Right. Not that you know, I, I don't take care of that now, but I someone has to do it. You know, so I I have to put people in in roles to do that um, stuff I would never think of. So I think our supporting staff has been outstanding, and you know, I'm seven hours away. Anthony's three hours away. Yeah, and I know we're not be we're not too successful right now. You know the the record's not great, but the arena hasn't burned down, so I think we're, <laughs> we're ahead of schedule. That's good. I was gonna ask, like being you just mentioned, you seven and Ant three hours away. How often are like you two communicating about the team, or um, like you guys speaking to others about the team? Like, is that a daily thing? Yeah, daily. I think me and Anthony kind of said the other day, maybe a little while ago, like, okay, we got to talk about something else other than, you know, even hockey in general. Like, it's how do your game go? How do your game go? Okay, what's going on with the meteors? It's not never, like, it hasn't been for the last month, like, or six months, like, how you feeling, you know? Like, yeah, and it, that's something we got to work on. Like, with my sister, you know, she's got three kids, and I, I was texting her the other day, and I was like, Ugh how are those girls? Like, I don't, I haven't even talked about the girls because every right. call is, you know, uh, how much we charge it at the game? How much is this? What are we doing for this? So I think that's important. That's something we have to learn to, you know, weigh. we have to, or else we're just going to end up, you know, separating and, and not hating each other, but it's going to be just business, which that was never anything that my dad would have wanted. Right. Um, all right. This is my big question. How long until we get both Pacero boys back in Fort Erie behind the bench? I don't, I don't know. That's something you got to ask Anthony. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know uh, I don't know if we, there's room for us both back there, but um, I, he said it's a possibility. It's, de it's definitely a possibility. Um, but right now, I think the path I'm on, I, I got, I got lucky to be where I am now, and I don't see myself, you know, stopping. Uh, because once, you know, if I take away from this road, I don't, I don't know if, you know, I'll ever get back on it. So I think I want to be in college athletics. I think it's, it's one of the, it brought me everything I have and I don't, I want to give back to it, but I also want to make a career out of it. So the meteors, you know, they're my, my life and I'll always be there and I'll always have a hand in it. But right now I just don't think it's, it's needed. And I don't think I'm needed. I think, the job I do from here is, you know, director of hockey operations I can do from here and I don't need to be behind the bench. We got guys behind the bench and 
and stuff like that. So I think everything's smooth and and uh, it's being done the right way. For for younger kids that are maybe starting to hit the realization that pro hockey might not be an option, what's some a piece of advice you would be able to give to them to say that there's other things you can do in hockey and how to maybe grow your resume? Like what was something that stood out on your resume that maybe put you in the position to get lucky? Um, well, something that was available to me that might not be available to everyone, but um, when I was at Westfield, I worked at the athletic department. Um, I was uh, an intern with the sports information. So I was the PA announcer. I was creating, you know, game day stuff game day operations so I always thought to myself I wanted to be an athletic director until I got around the athletic director I said this guy's crazy he works <laughs> I don't want to do that so I think you know putting yourself in situations when I was 18 and Anthony was 16 we had our own hockey school you know we had right. 30 little kids running around the arena and I had help with just my friends and that's something that you know I still look back on it and, and um, well, continue to grow, but it, it goes on my resume, you know, like I, I babysat 30 kids and taught them hockey for a week. So I think just putting yourself out there, putting yourself in the best positions possible and continuing to do stuff that you would regularly do. Um, you know, like my social media is very hockey based. That's what I want to be. You know, that's what I want to do. So if someone looks at my, my social media, I want them to see, my thoughts and opinions on on sports and 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 hockey and stuff like that so i think that's that's important also um but yeah that's so incredible um how's the team doing at franklin pierce um we're one two and one right now we we that's got off to, we got off to a slow start but you know um we're we're an older team um we got 10 seniors one grad student um, last year we had 13 freshmen. This year we have three. So I think that's you know, a big got, difference in the locker room too. We got we got some of the best you know goalies in the conference, and um, we're we're one and one in the conference. So that's kind of the record that you're you're really looking at. But um, I think we're we're going to surprise some people. I've been saying that for a long time, and I don't know if it'll be a surprise by the end of the year. But I think we're going to surprise some people. We're a hardworking group and um, fun to be around. I think. Um, they're they're loose and light, yet they they can pull together and, and when when time is needed, and I think that's something maybe we lacked at Westfield. I think we we're we we didn't have that. I think we were a little bit too uptight when I played there, and um, we we cared a little bit too much about the about wrong things. And I don't think here that happens. I think we're our heads in the right spot, and I think that's what's going to allow us to win. Being a younger assistant coach, I mean, your first year, you were a year out of the, the program. Right. Was it tough to maybe kind of distance yourself from the locker room? And I mean, and like all the boys, like a year ago, you were in it playing the wind song, getting hype, drinking with the guys. So what was the steps that you had to take to maybe distance yourself from that? Um, I think it's harder this year than it was last year. Now that I really? know them better, I think, like, you know, now that I, I'm, I'm looking, Last year, maybe when I came in, I was trying too hard not to not to be like that. And I think as an assistant coach, you're the liaison between the team and the head coach. So you have to you have to make sure that you know the team knows that um, you have their back, but that your coach knows that 
that you have his back. And that's a job that I thought was going to be very hard, but it, it hasn't been. I, I yeah. think, um, you know, our head coach is also young. Um, so we have great communication. I think that's what it comes down to for everything. But I think we – it really, really was not hard last year. Um, and obviously this year it's a little harder just because – I, we're, our friendships are being built, but still, I, I have a job to do. They know I have a job to do, and and other than that, it's been great. Yeah, that's yes. that's, that's, that's a great answer. A great answer. Um, but, I, I I had my hand in coaching like a provincial football team a few years ago, and it was something I kind of struggled with because I, I missed the camaraderie of the team and being with the boys. So it was something that I made sure that I was conscious of. So I just wondered how maybe you had dealt with it. Yeah, no, I, I think anyone that gave me advice, that was their advice. You know, make sure that you're not too close to the team, which, yeah. okay, it's good advice, but I think, you know, it's a time now. It's not 1950 where yeah. we're all hard asses, you know, like you got to be able to relate to these guys. And I don't think anyone can relate better to them than, than me and the coach because we're both young. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm two years removed from, from playing college hockey. He's five so right if we could relate to that and some stuff you know maybe we deal with in in the wrong way but i think our hearts are in the right place and then in the end we figure it out so i think that's a that's a big thing being relatable in hockey is uh is maybe starting to become a little bit more of a trend like you said when you were talking about coaches etc what's your opinion on babcock because I feel like he takes it to the extreme, and I know you're a Leafs fan, so I'm not. I'm picking on you a little, but uh, he maybe takes it to the extreme where he, he. Uh, I feel like he has no relationship with those players. Well, see, Anthony hates Babcock. Uh, I well, I knew you guys at least had opinions on him. But I like Babcock a lot. You do. I listen to his interviews almost every day. His morning skate, his post game. I don't know if the way he treats his guys or the way he runs his benches is great, but I think his philosophies on being a good person, being a good pro, um, doing it every day. He talks about being an everydayer, and I think that is huge in life. So I like I draw from that, and I think you know Anthony. Anthony's more hockey like analytical about it. He, like, Anthony doesn't like the way he runs his bench or the way you know he scratches bets or stuff like that where I'm more like, okay, he had a reason for it. I don't know what the reason was. I don't know if I agree with it. It is what it is. But, you know, what he says and, and his beliefs, I think, align with mine. So right. I think that's right. why I like him. Who are some people you think you you mold your coaching, um, your coaching style after? Who is a big influence? Um, I mean, that's tough, but I would say – uh, like Chris Johnstone, who was my coach and junior, um, uh, Scoot, I think he was just so passionate. I think obviously he's, he was a little, you know, off the wall, I would say, but like he was, he was passionate. All he wanted to do was get better every day. He wanted you to get better. And then, um, you know, like when I was growing up, the meteors coach was Wayne Gruel for, uh, 10, 15 years. And I, there's no one besides my dad that's taught me more than, about hockey than him and I think do I mold myself after them no but I take different things from from them you know like I'm still trying to find my way around yeah. what I want you know like I have beliefs that when I played that are not what they were when I as I'm coaching you know I, my set of skills and my 
you know, ways around the rink worked for me. But, you know, I haven't won a single thing as a player. So how could, you know, I can't bring all that to, to coaching because that didn't work. So I got to Buddy, you want a playoff series in London. Yeah. Don't cut yourself short. <laughs> Playoff series. I almost <laughs> blew it myself by one. So that's that's something you know I I gotta learn. Yeah, um, dude, this has been incredible. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Um, oh, well. And like I said, um, I I really am sorry about the loss of your dad, dude. Um, it was. It's yeah. funny. It's funny because it was one of the sometimes you hear people pass away and it's like, ah, oh, that really sucks. But I, some, I felt some sort of way and that's why I needed to be there for the visiting. Um, and I mean, you know, I, I'm really happy with what you and Ant are doing and how you guys are handling everything. And it's incredible to see. And it's incredible, um, for the community of Fort Erie. It, I, I mean, it, that might sound ridiculous as a statement, but it really is. It really right. is. I mean, your dad and you guys have been putting young hockey players into positions that they might have never had. Right. So, yeah, I'll, um, I'll still be at home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, not, there's not many. There's not many people in the world that you know light up a room like your dad did, and I and I, it does, and I I don't I think it's the same with, with the way my dad was. I think you know. Yeah. When, those kind of people walk in the rooms, people notice, and I think that's the that's the thing that you know. Obviously, I'll, I'll miss the most, and I do miss the most. But you know, we we got a job to do, and yeah. it's a family it's a family thing. And you know, forty kids like that. We have uh, Kale Cirillo, Drew Pacero, uh, Marco Lariccia, You know, these forty kids that are doing the same things that that we did, and I just want them to be successful, and we're, our job is to put them in the, in the position to be successful. Yeah, dude. Well, I know for a fact Tony would be smiling for sure. Those Leafs got to get him a cup, though. I don't, if they win the cup, I don't know. This this whole place might, might blow up. I, when they won, <laughs> he passed away, I think, like during the first round last year, right before it. Yeah. And I just remember my mom saying, like, if they win it this year, like, that's that's awful. I'm like, no, I think we should cheer for him. Like, but you know, he was a Browns fan, so that I, I thought this was going to be the year that that they were going <laughs> to. No, gonna, no. Uh, yeah. really that's not, But he was a he was a Lakers fan, so hopefully LeBron can can figure that out. And I mean, I'm sure Tony maybe even had a little something to do with Harps going to the Leafs too. Maybe, maybe yeah. we'll see. We'll Hips see. His finger. That, yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on, Thanks, Nick. Man. Incredible. Thanks, dude. Man. Thanks dude. Yeah. All right. All right, guys.